Hi, Lady Leader, and welcome back to the Leading Her Way podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Bryan, and I am super excited, as always, to be in your eardrums. Yes. Okay, so today we're going to be switching gears a little bit and covering a new topic. We're actually celebrating a milestone because this is episode 10 of the podcast. And because it is episode 10, and because I'm always encouraging you to celebrate not just your long-term goals, but the milestones that you accomplish along the way, that's what we're gonna be doing today on this podcast. And in celebration of us getting to episode 10, I have a new and exciting guest. So this is the first time, this is the first episode that I have a guest who will be here with us and she's fantastic. Sylvia Before is going to be joining us today and she is an emotional intelligence expert. Now, emotional intelligence is probably a word or a phrase that you've heard before, but what I have found when I'm speaking with people is that they've heard the phrase, but don't necessarily know two things, what it really means and how they can leverage it as part of their leadership toolkit. And that's what Sylvia is gonna be talking to us about today. Now, in addition to being an emotional intelligence coach, Sylvia Before is also a professional speaker and trainer. She has traveled far and wide. She's actually visited more than 38 countries, lived in eight, and speaks five different languages. Her global experiences give her a very unique perspective and the ability to connect with diverse audiences around the world. For the past 19 years, she's helped individuals and organizations build thriving work cultures with her Dare to Care EI framework. Clients who have benefited from Sylvia's expertise include Whirlpool, Lockheed Martin, Capital One, Doctors Without Borders, the World Bank, Weight Watchers International, and the Department of Defense, just to name a few. She enjoyed the opportunity to be mentored by Dr. Meyer Angelou for 13 years and draws on countless lessons from those years to help empower women around the world. She's the host of an emotional intelligence podcast show and is the author of I Dare You to Care, a book focused on using emotional intelligence skills to inspire, influence, and achieve remarkable growth. I know you're going to find this conversation with Sylvia as enlightening as I did. So let's just jump right to it. Sylvia before. One, two, three, four. Hi, leaders. You're listening to the Leading Her Way podcast, where you learn how to use your feminine strengths to think, act, and become the executive leader you've always wanted to be while laughing, loving, and living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Bryan. I built my career from the streets of Brooklyn to the boardroom as a three-time Fortune 500 executive. Welcome to this shared space designed just for us to openly discuss topics at the intersection of leadership and womanhood that will help you grow your career and lead boldly. All right, let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Leading Her Way, where we talk strategy, mindset, and all the things you need to grow your leadership career to the executive level. If you're new here, I'm Dr. Nicole Bryan, and I'm an executive career growth strategist for ambitious corporate women. 
And today we have a special treat in that we have a guest, Sylvia Before, and an interesting topic, emotional intelligence. Now, this is a topic that you, my listeners, voted on. I actually put this on LinkedIn and asked what you wanted to hear about, gave you four options, and your second choice was emotional intelligence. So I invited Sylvia here to help us demystify what exactly is emotional intelligence for you and help you determine how best to develop your EI and use it as part of your leadership toolkit. So welcome to Leading Her Way, Sylvia. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Now, before we jump in, would you share a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from, your professional background, and how you came to be an expert in emotional intelligence? Well, I'm orig- I was born in Ghana and lived in eight different countries before I ended up in the U.S. So I'm based in, in the U.S. at the moment, and uh, I, I have a, a professional speaking, coaching, and training business that I've been growing for the last 19 years. And so I, I focus primarily on doing keynote presentations around the country, uh, also emotional intelligence trainings and workshops. And then I do a little bit of executive coaching with, with leaders who want to enhance the ability to to, to foster good trust and belonging and good relationships with those they're leading. Okay, so wait. First of all, you're a globe you're a globe trotter. Like you travel all around the world. You, I've been traveling since I was part. one year old. You that part, but that's <laughs> an interesting fact. So you've lived in various countries. It sounds like yes. Yes, yeah, eight different countries. Yeah, and it's been it's been a fun journey. You know, it's it definitely helps you connect with people who have different backgrounds. You know, just you just it's a knack that you you sort of acquire through the years. You know. Yeah, and it's one of a. I love to travel as well. I don't. I haven't lived in eight different countries, maybe four, but I love to travel because I love to kind of explore different cultures and see, you know, see, c- compare and contrast. And I love actually discovering uh, new things about different countries, et cetera. So that's really interesting. Okay. Do, yeah. do, you have a, do you have a tip for us in terms of, this is not part of the script clearly, but do you have a <laughs> tip for us in terms of I don't know, either either a, a, a travel tip that makes things easier for you as you kind of globetrot or anything related to, um, you know, adjusting to new cultures, whether it's related to emotional intelligence or not. I mean, that's an interesting question. I, I would say that, you know, being able to travel to different places with a mindset of saying, I want to understand more how you know, how to relate to, to the, to the way that those people live. Right. So we don't come yeah. in, cause I know Americans, especially are pretty notorious, you know, traveling around the world with this mindset of expecting things to be like they are in America. And so I think just having that open mindset to say, I want to embrace and take in the different way that others exist and live and, and do it with appreciation and curiosity, as yeah. opposed to sort of the judgment of, you know, why don't we have coca-cola that tastes this way or whatever the case is right um and that yeah. endears you to to the people in those local places when people see you're making an effort whether it's learning a few sentences of the language right it's it endears you to 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 them and, and helps you have a better time because people can see you're trying to not just to assimilate but but to really appreciate the way they live differently you know yeah yeah i love that I, it is something that i try to do personally but as you were saying that, Sylvia, it made me think about leadership in general, right? So um, I can state that same tip a person could leverage with their team 
not traveling around the world, but just day-to-day engagement, trying to understand and see things from that, that the other person's perspective or the team member's perspective, trying to um, relate your, your cultural background maybe to the your team member's cultural background. Just It sounds like truly just a uh, mindset of wanting to learn, wanting to connect, wanting mm-hmm. to you know maybe ask questions and be cu- naturally curious mm-hmm. could be such a powerful tool, whether you are moving country to country or whether you're dealing day to day with your your team members. So I love that that tip. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So let's jump in now that I've I'm, I've geeked out over uh our <laughs> mutual love of traveling. Let's go ahead and jump into today's topic which is truly understanding what emotional intelligence is and how we as leaders can be leveraging it as part of our leadership toolkit. So I guess I'll just start with the basic question because in terms of what is emotional intelligence, because what I've heard from my audience is that they've heard the term, but they truly like in their own words would not be able to explain what it actually is. So could we start with that? What what would be a definition that we would use for emotional intelligence? Yeah, I like to break it down relatively simply because whenever I'm asked how how I define it, I simply say this. Emotional intelligence to me is all about really two things. How aware are you of your emotions at any given moment of the day? And how much do you care about the impact your emotions are having on you and the people around you? Mm. So to me, that is really it in a nutshell. It's like how much, how aware are you of how you're feeling at any given moment of the day? And how much do you care about the impact that's having on you and the people around you? Because in leadership, right, it's you are you are influencing others. You're leading people. You, you don't work in isolation. And so the more aware you are of your own emotions, the better you're able to to control how it's impacting you and the, and then consequently the people you lead. OK. And you know what? That is a very simple way to define it. I've heard such, I guess, convoluted or long or definitions that have these big words in it but that that really is a very direct way being aware of how what your emotions are in the moment and then being aware of how your emotions are impacting others it sounds like that's mm-hmm. right okay. absolutely yeah wonderful absolutely. okay all right so if we are and yes i can definitely see if we're using that as a definite as a definition how it would impact not only the people that we might be responsible for, the teams that we might be responsible for, but colleagues, I can see that playing out in meetings. I can see that playing out in maybe one-on-one conversations that are important, being able to kind of read the room and understand not just what you're giving off, but how it is, how other people are receiving what what you are giving off. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, reading the room, uh, Nicole, because I actually I'm, I'm working with a with a uh, an executive at the moment who's trying to get to the next level of leadership. And she she understands there's a bit of a gap because she's very technically savvy. Mm-hmm. Right. But but um, her her direct boss, you know, I said to her because I had a conversation with her direct boss and I said, what what's that two to three step that's missing for you to have full faith that she could actually be at this level of leadership? And it had a lot to do with executive presence, but specifically with her ability to read the room. It's like if her boss had that that feeling, that security to say, I can put you know, Nicole in, in, in any situation with a client 
and she's going to read the room. She's going to hear what's being said and what's not being said and respond accordingly. That all takes skill, which is all emotional intelligence. So you, when you said reading the room, it made me think about that because now we're working consciously on ways that she can bridge that gap to get to the next level of leadership. Yeah, it, it's, it's um, I think that that is such a common experience where we, so many of us work so hard on the technical capabilities, things that we have to get a degree in or we need a certification in. And we spend years, decades developing those technical skills. And then when we get into the workforce, particularly when we're trying to move up or you know um, get into the higher levels of senior leadership, it tends to be soft skills like emotional intelligence that we are we have to work on more deliberately, right? Not I won't say that we're lacking, but they just, for some of us it doesn't come as naturally because we spent so much time developing uh, the the technical skills, and so it that I can truly relate to that story. I hear it time and time again. They might not use the term emotional intelligence to describe it, mm-hmm. but that is in fact what it is when mm-hmm. we break it down and try to identify it. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so then it makes perfect sense then, okay, if if we're defining emotional intelligence as what it is, uh, as, as being aware of our own emotions and thinking about and recognizing how our emotions impact others. We talked about how that can relate to us as leaders, both when we're leading a team, when we're having one-on-one, just engaging with other people. If we want people to respect us, to follow our lead, um, to trust us, it makes logical sense why emotional intelligence would play a significant role in that. What about people who maybe don't have natural emotional intelligence that doesn't come natural to them? So like the client that you just mentioned, uh, maybe in some cases it doesn't come naturally to her or maybe for people who are, for example, so busy and so dedicated to their technical craft that they're not always consciously aware or thinking of. Um, how they are impacting or how they might be coming off in the different environments that they find themselves in. If I were someone who wanted to develop emotional intelligence, how would I go about that? Yeah, that's um, it's a good question uh, because you almost want to have your own sort of journey, right? So for me, for instance, Nicole, what I, I created what I call a dare to care EI framework, right? And it's, it's, um, it's I call it a four puzzle piece process that if you are practicing strategies and tools within these four areas, then you are certainly on the way to growing your emotional intelligence. Because I don't believe, you know, unlike IQ, which is sort of your your IQ is sort of capped off in your late teens, you know, you can't really increase your IQ dramatically, you can with your emotional intelligence. And so for me, I look at this dare to care framework, which has within it foundational principles that are rooted in emotion, sort of in Daniel Goleman's, you know, emotional intelligence journey. So I I talk about the importance of scaling up your self-understanding, engaging your emotions wisely is the second puzzle piece. I talk about what you're doing to cultivate flexibility and resilience and how you can deepen your connection to others. So these are the four areas. And so if the way you grow your emotional intelligence is think about what are one or two things I can be doing in each of these areas? What can I be doing to increase my self-awareness, right? and 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 you know what's really important with self-awareness is that it's 
it's broken up into internal and external. And most of us focus too much on the internal self-awareness. I call it the mirror effect, where you put a mirror up to your face and you're like, what, what do I see reflecting back at me? And then I'm going to make some improvements based on my own perception. That's yeah. why a lot of the emotional intelligence assessments that are out there, um, I find that they're not the full full puzzle piece. They're not the full complete package because think about it. I'm asking you to sit down and self-assess. You know, think about how you behave among around others, how you manage your emotions when triggered and all of this. But I'm asking for your opinion about how you see yourself, which is ex internal. But I think what is just as vital is, is to do things to grow your external self-awareness. And I call this, you know, the, the prism perspective, because just like a prism, if you take a light and shine it on a prism, it always refracts this beautiful light, no matter what angle you're shining it on. Mm -hmm. And much in the same way, as we as we get the perspectives of people around us in how they experience us, that illuminates us, our perspective of ourselves, gives us a much more expansive and rich perspective of who we are. And so much of leadership is about how you are impacting others, right? How people experience you. And so one of the things that they can you can do to raise your self-awareness is to focus heavily on your external self-awareness. Is there like a 360 degree feedback you can have as a leader where you're getting input from your peers, your direct reports, your senior leadership, um, giving you insights into your areas of strength, areas of improvement. That's vital. So that's one thing every female leader should be doing. What are you doing to raise your self-understanding, right? What are you doing to engage your emotions wisely? You know, and, and one of the most important things I think about is emotional triggers. Every single one of us, we're triggered by whether it's a condescending conversation, feeling left out, not being trusted. We all have triggers. And so you want to think about what is one thing I can do to better manage internally how I feel about what's impacting me externally, right? And so I use this thing called shifting phrases, you know, where I, I, I point out the fact that when you're triggered emotionally, whether you know it or not, you're going to have negative self-talk that enters your mind. It is, it is almost so automatic that you, you don't even realize you're talking to yourself in those negative ways when you're triggered emotionally. And then usually we have an outcome, right? Like either it's the phone call we wish we could un undial or the email we wish we could unsend, right? And so I inject a, a process called a shifting phrases, which is simply generic phrases we can all use to help us replace the negative self-talk with uh, assuming positive intent to just buy us a few seconds of precious time to not be controlled by emotional triggers in a bad way, you know? And so if we're triggered, for instance, by what feels like a disrespectful conversation, instead of the, the curse words we may say in our heads, the shifting phrase says, is it possible Nicole didn't mean to offend me, right? Now, it's not rooted in fact. I don't know if you meant to offend me or not. This is what I am doing. Shifting phrases are meant for us to help us manage those, those trigger moments so we can bring our best selves. Because especially as women leaders, you know, so often we fall into this bucket of you're too emotional or you're too authoritarian, right? And it's, and, and emotional triggers is one thing that we can manage better to show the people we're leading that we're unaffected. Not to say you, you're a robot and you don't feel your emotions, but you manage them productively. You know, um, One of the presentations I was doing last week, I had an audience member ask me, she said to me, Sylvia, you know, all growing up, my mother always said, the angry person in an in, in interaction with someone, the angry person is always the one who loses. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I, I actually beg to differ. I said, I said, the angry person who mismanages the emotional response is the one who loses because we, we're human and we're going to feel angry from time to time. And it's a signal that we should be paying attention to. 
So yeah, what are you doing to engage your emotions wisely? And then under the flexibility and resilience space is to think, what is one thing I can do to increase my ability to be more flexible and resilient, right? Because we live in a world that's ever-changing. If you talk about female leaders, you're constantly being thrust into uncomfortable and ever-changing disruptive environments. And I, and I want you to think about what you can do to, to be more flexible and resilient. And for me, one of the most important things is to, to, to ask yourself what I call gateway questions. You know, So often when we're faced with difficult moments, especially as women, well, not just women, all of us, I like to believe that we default to asking ourselves why questions, questions that begin with the word why. And I call those kinds of questions barricading questions because of how they block in your thinking. They're literally barricading, very disempowering. They're legitimate questions to ask. They're just not helpful. And so, for instance, somebody might say, why didn't I get the promotion I deserved? That's a legitimate question, but it's not very productive in terms of how you go about answering it. And so what I encourage folks to do is to think about how asking more how and what questions, which I call gateway questions, because they literally open up the gates to forward thinking, right? So for instance, instead of saying, why didn't I get the promotion I deserved? The question becomes, what one thing can I do differently to boost my marketability and skill set? So the person who's asking a gateway question is actually looking for the solution versus the person who's barricaded in their thinking, just lamenting about what has gone wrong around them, you know? And for female leaders, especially, you know, that's one of the ways we build our resilience is to keep asking gateway questions. And then finally, um, building your connection to others. How do you deepen that? Um, and I, I think about empathy as the, the biggest way to do that. Can you use more empathic communication? Because, you know, Jim Carrey, the comedian once said, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. And I think that's so powerful. So yeah. as a female leaders, you know, when you think about deepening your connection to others, being mindful of what can I do to ensure that people are experiencing me the way I intend for them to experience me and empathy. Can you, can you show others that you, you see and hear them and value them even as you may disagree with them? Right. Right. Okay. First of all, you said so much in there that we could like spend a decade talking about, <laughs> but and I don't know if um, listeners, if you can hear the excitement in my voice, but I am going, there are a few things that I want to pull out of. Um, I, I think there was so much rich, richness in what you just share with us, Sylvia, but there were a few things I want to pull out and I want to, I guess, re-emphasize to make sure that we are walking away with these points. The fir very first thing you said um, was that EI is not like IQ in the sense that we can, throughout our lifetime, continue to grow and develop our emotional intelligence, whereas IQ just from a biological standpoint, there it, it, we there is there's not a lot of room to grow that from after a certain age. So that's one thing. To me, I walk away from that statement and understanding that is that we we all have the opportunity every day, every week, every month, whatever. We can be working to be more increase our our level of emotional intelligence, which therein will increase honestly probably our quality of life but definitely our leadership um, within the within whatever organization we're in, whether you have your own organization, it doesn't matter. Even in your family, frankly, right? When you have a higher level of emotional intelligence, you will see the benefits of that play out in all aspects of your, of your life and your career. So mm -hmm. that's one thing I want our, our listeners to kind of walk away with. The other thing was 
I think it's so interesting, given the four areas or the four four your four part model around EI. You're right. So many of us really only focus on one. We only think of it in terms of maybe the self awareness piece, and even then, it's not it's not um, you know it's we we that's the, that's what we gravitate towards, but it's not always easy for mm. us to increase the level of self-awareness and we have a bias when we are when we're thinking if, if we, all we're doing is internally thinking about trying to be more self-aware it's naturally biased if we're not collecting data in some form or fashion feedback qualitative quantitative 360s to get other people's perspective of what we're doing how we're showing up we think we're doing it. We know why we're doing it and we know the steps we're taking, but we're not always proactively ensuring that what we're putting out is landing in the way that we want it to and that mm -hmm. we intend it to. So that's mm -hmm. the second piece of it. Um, I've not talked to my to, to my listeners so far about 360s and that's actually an episode. So stay tuned listeners. We're coming back to you with a whole episode on 360s, but just you know, the I think that it is important to not necessarily just wait to many of us wait till performance review time to seek feedback where we literally after every meeting, after every engagement, we can be asking questions to kind of help, um, you know, hold up that mirror, help, help people help to see whether or not what we are uh, and asking people, how are you? How did this is what I intended? How did you how did you receive it or what did you get from our conversation just to ensure that what we're putting out again is what what is landing with our the people that we're engaging with all the time one mm -hmm. thing i did want to ask you cuz i think it's it's um whether it's stereotype or stereotyping of women being highly emotional um in in and outside of the workplace how that relates to emotional intelligence right just because we're using the same word emotion doesn't necessarily mean that they are those two concepts of women uh, being known as or being uh, the, the workplace having a bias to women being highly emotional. Um, I talk about emotions, frankly, in terms of being aware, not just being aware of them, but leveraging them to your advantage as a female leader. What's your thoughts on that? Do you do you one? Do you still think that there is that bias out there that women are highly emotional in the workplace? or too emotional in the workplace? And the other, the second part of the question is, how do you, uh, is there a way for us to uh, leverage emotional intelligence in some way to connect to that, to, to, to make it more advantageous for us? Yeah, I mean, I think the bias still exists, unfortunately. You know, I think, I think women have that double bind, right? Where you, you're dancing between showing empathy and authority at the same time, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's possible for, for women to improve, you know, I actually, I wrote a LinkedIn article of a couple of months ago about how you can be empathetic and stern at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I gave sort of specific examples of phraseology you can use that still have empathy within them, but allows you to, 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 to be an authority, you know, and unfortunately it is a stereotype. And so we are always doing this dance between overly being overly perceived you know it's a woman showing empathy you've got to sort of walk this fine line with without looking too emotional and then not looking on the extreme end of the spectrum you know and so I think it's 
you 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 made you made a good point about asking questions, seeking that feedback, right? Maybe from female leaders who are your peers, you know, where and you're not asking a question like, do you think I'm too emotional? Because a question like that always puts people on the spot, right? Right. If I think you, you you're too emotional, then now you're making me look bad to have to point it out to you, right? right. Whereas you yeah. said, whereas maybe the, the question could be phrased in, in in a more constructive way, like if there was one thing I could do differently to make me appear more of an authority, what would that one thing be? So you're not asking people to give you their personal opinions about you on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think women leveraging other women and seeking that honest feedback is going to be so critical because it is a dance we're constantly playing. And I think, you know, there's obviously different ways you know, when, it, when it comes to I want to be empathetic and stern or empathetic and still be seen as an authority. How are you how are you listening? You know, do do people feel like you're listening to hear them or just waiting your turn to talk? Right. And mm-hmm. um how how deeply do you acknowledge someone's emotional state before you continue on to what you want to say, right? So that I'm talking about the women who are perceived as being too authoritarian. You know, are, do people feel like you connected with how they were feeling before you stated what you were going to say or do you just sort of steamroll over and pretend that their emotional experience didn't matter in the conversation, you know? So it's, it's, it's for us to be, to have our radar up and, but seeking out feedback from fellow female leaders, you know, as much as possible, but asking constructive questions so we can get the best constructive practical feedback to help us walk that line between empathy and being an authority. Yeah, and I, that that takes me back to what you mentioned before, those gateway questions. That's probably where you, a good place to start, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be asking yourself that, but then also asking that to your peers who have a different view of you they 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 can see you and the level of impact that you're having in a different way than you might be able to see for yourself mm, um, yeah. so i do I, I i i like that um okay so we've talked about the definition a very uh simple but clear definition of what empathy is we talked we've talked about how it kind of shows up in the workplace for us as women leaders uh, and in life, frankly, we have talked about the fact that we have ample opportunity to continue to develop and grow um, with our emotional intelligence as leaders. And we've broken down, uh, and thank you for that, Sylvia, you kind of broke down kind of four different areas or four different vantage points in which we can talk about and think about and work on our emotional intelligence. What I would want to know, I mean, it's it it can be as big as we want it to be and as simple as we want it to be. But my question would be for you, if we wanted our listeners to kind of walk away with one place that they could start in terms of emotion, developing their emotional intelligence, what what would you advise them? Like what, given that it can be very complicated or very complex, excuse me. What what would you say to a, a woman leader at this point in time who uh, wants to work on growing their emotional intelligence? What would be a place to start? Yeah, that's a it. It can be a loaded question, as you can imagine, Nicole, because there's so a myriad of strategies, right? Yeah. But you know w- what I think about. I, I once had the saying a few years ago that that if I remember the way I phrased it, it was something like you know, especially as leaders, in order to influence others, which is what leadership is all about, Mm -hmm. in order to influence others, 
begin by influencing how they experience you, right? And so in my head, I think with women leaders, especially you are in the business of influencing others to your points of view, to your goals, so you can come bring them on board as a team and do it in a way where they actually appreciate being led and being influenced. And so if there's one thing I would say as a starting point, knowing that you exist in relation to other people, that you you do not lead in isolation, you lead other human beings who are filled with emotions, my tip would be focus on influencing, on positively influencing the emotional aftertaste of your interactions. Mm. Because people... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> say that one more time. Say okay. it one more time. I yeah. love the it, but please say that one more time. Yeah, I would say if there's one thing to focus on is is thinking about how you can positively influence the emotional aftertaste of your mm-hmm. interactions. You know, because you and I know, Nicole, we all know listening in that every interaction you have with another human being, no matter whether they're the person, the post office, the grocery store, your spouse, your leader, your direct report, people feel a certain way having been in our presence. And the way I like to see it is that it's typically either sweet or it's sour. People feel a certain way. And I call that the emotional aftertaste you are leaving behind. And so as we women leaders, if you are le- positively influencing the emotional aftertaste of your interactions, your leadership is going to be contagious. It's going to be legendary. It will be talked about. It will be valued and welcomed. And I don't know what more a leader would want than, than to have those outcomes, right? So one of the most important ways to do this, so it doesn't just seem pie in the sky, is every chance you are given to think about an interaction with it, with somebody before it happens, whether it's you have to give a difficult performance evaluation, you've got to talk to a, a peer about some project you're fighting for the same resources, whatever the case is, as much as you can on the in the occasions when you have a chance to, even if you have five minutes to say, okay, I'm about to meet this person, okay? I want you to think about one or two emotions you would ideally like them to feel by the time they leave your presence. Because if you can focus on those emotions, I guarantee it's going to impact the way you you talk to them, your choice of words, your body language and everything. So as an example, if I have to give you a difficult performance review, Nicole, but I know you're loyal to the company and you just, you show up, right? You're loyal, but you just have to tweak a few things and tighten a few things up. So in my head, I think I want Nicole to feel hopeful and inspired to show up and still give her best. That's what I think before I come and give you this performance review, right? Which I know are going to have some difficult things in there to, to hear. If I focus on leaving you inspired and hopeful to still show up and do your best every day, it's absolutely going to influence how I talk to you about that performance review. If I don't care how you feel or I don't even think about it, I may be using language that just isolates you or makes you feel like you can't ever do anything right and discourage you leave there feeling discouraged and 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 as you think about those dominant emotions you would like someone to feel you will find yourself actually using the the words of those emotions in your in your phraseology i'm going to sit there and say you know nicole i want you to feel hopeful and inspired as i share this performance review because of x y and z right you could actually use the words and 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 help yourself have a chance that someone's going to experience you the way you intend. It's not to control. We can't control how others feel, but we absolutely can influence as leaders how we how we make people feel. And thinking about what you would want people to feel when they're done with your, you know, leave your presence, yep. at least ensures you have a good chance of, of influencing that outcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's such that is such a powerful tip. 
and it's something that is actionable. We can start doing that right now. We don't necessarily, we can go learn everything that we want to learn about emotional intelligence, but in terms of improving, that could be something that we actually start doing as soon as this episode is over. So I love that. Uh, I love that as a tip. Yeah. I mean, just asking, you know, did, did I positively influence the emotional aftertaste of this interaction when yeah. you're done, you know, yeah. and, and as you keep interrogating yourself, you will start being much more careful about that aftertaste. And it, I think what I love most about it is that it is combining strategic, strategic thinking. Like we are deliberate, trying to be deliberate about the impact that we are having and the influence that we're having. So that requires us to think beforehand about the what, the why, the how, before we even open our mouths or have the in interaction or engagement with someone else. I love that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because we talk about we talk about strategy here all the time, and so I love that we're bringing that also into the emotional intelligence conversation as well. Mm, yeah, it's important. Okay, well, this has been a doozy. I think this might be one of my favorite episodes. So far. <laughs> okay, all right, Sylvia. Um, so before we before we start wrapping up, is there if someone wanted to learn more about in emotional intelligence on their own? Is there any any resources or where would you uh, recommend that they uh, get started to do that? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, a couple of things come to mind. There's a, a, a lady, a lovely lady that I follow on LinkedIn called Farah, um, Farah Harris. Nice. And okay. she she um, F-A-R-A-H Harris. And she recently wrote and published a book over the last couple of months or so called The Color of Emotional Intelligence. Mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic. And she's just a brilliant mind. I love everything that she she shares on on LinkedIn. Um, also, emotional agility by Dr. Susan David is another resource. I think that would be very helpful. It's an easy read. It's not too convoluted and too complex. Um, so, Dr. Susan David's book, Emotional Agility, uh, Farah Harris's book, um, The Color of Emotional Intelligence, is certainly an important resource. And of course, I'm shamelessly plugging my my own book, I Dare You to Care which is about helping you use emotional intelligence to inspire and influence others. And it's a very easy read because it's not scientific. It's, it's about stories, seeing emotional intelligence on a practical level, working or not working in people's lives every day. Um, so those, those might be some good starting points. And they can, you know, I share emotional intelligence material on LinkedIn all the time. So I'm happy to, to have a few folks chime in and, you know, read those as well. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so those are three different resources that are coming highly recommended. And then it sounds like um, if readers wanted to kind of learn more about you and what you do, where would where can they stay in touch? Would that be LinkedIn as well? LinkedIn is, if, especially if it's about growing your emotional intelligence, because I post three times a week I, and um, I try in some way, especially it's angled towards leaders. So just some practical tips, stories, and just, yeah, LinkedIn is definitely the primary source, I would say in terms of, being up to date with some of the things I'm sharing about emotional intelligence weekly. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Well, join me listeners. I already follow Sylvia. So please join me in following her as well. And I think that's it. Sylvia, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we we definitely want to know where you're going next in your travel hopping for sure. But in the meantime, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to spend with us and share with us um, uh, all of your knowledge, not all of it, but some of your knowledge on emotional intelligence. I think decoding what that means, what emotional intelligence or EI, as some people call it, 
actually is and getting some of the practical tips that you shared with us on how we can continue to improve our emotional intelligence on a day-to-day basis is really going to help us not just in the now, but also as we continue to grow to the executive level. So thank you so much for being with us here today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Nicole. This was a, a fun conversation and it was a pleasure being with you and your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of Leading Her Way. Thanks for tuning in. If you have thoughts, questions, or ideas for future topics, connect and send me a message on LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe and please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. Your review will help spread the word to other ambitious females so they know they're not alone and that this podcast is a community of support for all of us leading her way to the top. Remember, your leadership is needed. Your leadership is powerful. So lead boldly. Until next time.